Good morning, church. Go on and turn over to uh, Luke chapter 19. There we go. There we go. Before we read the word of God, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word, for your examples, for your son. Father, we're grateful that the teens had an amazing time at teen camp, and I'm excited that the youth get to go out and uh, worship you for a week. I'm grateful for the future of the church. Lord, I pray in a special way that you're with Ron Quint and Renee as they uh, embark on this new journey of life. Be with the North region. Be with us today, Father, as we worship you. Be with us, those that are traveling. Be with, uh, be with our times of celebration as we uh, celebrate July 4th. We love you. It's in your sons and my pray. Amen. Luke chapter 19, we're going to start reading. There we go. I got to turn on. There we go. Let me turn it on. Jesus entered Jericho. And he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he did what everybody would do. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once, at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus said to them, He stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I want to talk this morning about the other side of the obstacle. And I wanted to tell you guys that there is something waiting for every person on the other side of every obstacle that we face. There is something waiting for every single one of you. Obstacles, just so you know, they are not just there to cause you frustration, though they do frustrate us. They're not there just to make you feel annoyed. Those Little obstacles that you might have in your life. The people that are obstacles are not just there to annoy you, even though they do sometimes, right? They're not just there to cause you emotional distress, though that happens when we face obstacles. But, you know, obstacles, they have this way of revealing things about ourselves. You learn about your character. You learn about your priorities. You learn about your toughness. You learn about your resolve. And here's the thing about obstacles. God will allow obstacles to get put in your life to teach you something. 
Sometimes it's to slow you down. Sometimes it's to teach you to look for a new perspective. It's sometimes to, to make you pray a little bit more. Sometimes just to seek him a little bit more. But the other side of it is Satan also will put obstacles in your path. And there's many times where we've got, we're faced with a brick wall and I'm not even sure. And I, and I wish I could tell you here, preaching to you, like what the brick wall is and who put it there. Sometimes it's God and sometimes it's Satan and he's put the obstacle there and his, I can tell you, Satan's putting an obstacle in your way to get you to stay away from God. But sometimes we just have no idea who put it there. And so we're going to talk about this whole idea of the other side of the obstacles. Now, I don't know about you guys when it comes to obstacles, but I don't like them. Anybody here like obstacles? Yeah, I just don't really like obstacles. And, and, and in my nature, I just want to give up quickly when it comes to an obstacle. Like, that's really what I want to do. And I'm like, man, why do I even have to fight this fight? Why do I have to go through this? Isn't there just an easier way? Isn't there just, an, uh, you know, like a more comfortable, like a more comfortable path? Something that, you know, like, do I really have to, 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 to do I need some grit to get through this? Do I have to have that? Anybody ever feel that? You know, it's like the first time that we go through something tough. Sometimes we, we just, we're like, oh, this is not worth it. I'm turning away. You know, the first time, you, you know, you start the diet plan. I don't know about you guys, but diets just create obstacles in your lives. Anytime I decide I'm going to start a diet or I'm going to do a, a, you know, some kind of, make some kind of change to my health. I have one goal this year, and I've told you guys this, no Coke or no soda for an entire year. Um, and I'm doing it, by the way. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. And uh, it's been a challenge, though. Uh, but thank God for LaCroix. But so I get a little bit of the fizz, you know. But um, even though I can't taste anything, it just tastes like, you know, I don't know, somebody put a piece of grapefruit peel in some <laughs> seltzer water and charged me five bucks to buy it. You know, but we get obstacles and we just want to give up, you know, whether it's your diet plan, you're like, well, I already messed up. So, you know, whatever, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep going. You know, the first time we, we lose, we, we fail a test and we lose our hell, all hope or, or we, we start talking to people and we, we figure out, man, these people aren't really on my side and we just write them off or our, our, our hopes and our dreams get let down by somebody. And so. We start believing what they say about us. Or we get rejected at work or at school or by that special someone. You know, they, they reject you. And all of a sudden, you feel the obstacle. And, and I think in our nature, some of us, we just want to give up. Sometimes we want to blame others. Sometimes we want to blame ourselves. Obstacles show us something about ourselves. We take one good look at the wall and we just put our heads down. What did Zacchaeus do? <laughs> Zacchaeus climbed a tree. I love Zacchaeus. I love this story. He wanted to see Jesus so bad and he was not going to let his obstacle, which his obstacle was something I can relate to. He was short. You know what, guys, I love one of my favorite sports to play is basketball, but it just doesn't work that well for me. 
I'm the guy that when I get out on the basketball court, they're like, Aaron, what can you do? Well, I'm short and I'm fast. I can play defense, but I'm not really great at shooting the ball. Um, but if I'm going to score, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot about 15 threes. I'll make two of them, maybe. And, uh, but that's just an obstacle. My height is an obstacle. Me and, me and Zacchaeus, uh, we, you know, I, I get it. And I wanted to say something about your obstacles, because what, what did Zacchaeus do when it came to his obstacle? This obstacle that he could not control about himself. He got over it. Literally, he got over it. Some of us need to hear that right now. Hey, whatever obstacle it is you're facing, get over it. Maybe literally get over it or figuratively, figuratively, we got to get over it. We got to stop letting that thing be an obstacle. You ever said to somebody when you're faced with an obstacle and they asked you, what, why'd you give up? You ever said, well, I'm doing everything I can. Really? I mean, do you, do you actually believe that? We don't believe that when we say it. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I've really tried my hardest. Really? Might as well, just, let's just be honest. When, when it comes to obstacles, we give up too quickly. I want to look at some of the obstacles that Zacchaeus faced. Jesus entered Jericho, and it said, the Bible says he was passing through. One of the obstacles that Zacchaeus faced, and that I think we face today, is this obstacle of it's too late. Jesus is already passing through. I might miss my chance. And I don't know where you're at in your stage of life. But maybe you're feeling that, you know what, it's just too late for me. My character is what it is. The struggles that I have, I've been struggling with this for way too long. There is no way that I can make this change. There's no way. That I can be that type of person. I would have loved to be 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago. But it's too late for me. If you don't get anything out of this message, walk away with this. It is never too late to change. It is never too late to change. Jesus could be walking out of your town and you can still go see him. It could be in the winter of your life and you can still Make those changes. And there are stories after stories after stories. You can talk to brothers and sisters here in this church. You can just do a quick Google search of of people that have made radical life changes at the end of their life. When it seemed like you can't change. It doesn't matter. It's never too late to change. Another obstacle that I see him face He was a chief tax collector. And you might be like, that doesn't sound that bad. Now, if you know the history, you know that like tax collectors back then were were not all that by they were not all that well received by their own people. They weren't really liked. But I want to look at it from a different approach. He had a high powered career. And he's climbing a tree. I don't know what he was wearing that day, if it was his day off or he was showing up to work in his business suit and Jesus was walking through town. And so he just scampered up that tree in a suit. I almost thought about wearing a suit today. I would have been one of the only ones. But um, just to make the point, but like sometimes the obstacle that we face or that you face and I face, it's, it's our careers. 
It's our focus on our career. And while we might not feel like it's an obstacle, it keeps us from the things that matter the most. He was a chief tax collector. The other thing, the other obstacle that I see, he was wealthy. You know, in Luke chapter 18, there's another story that, that, that kind of goes along with this one. You can look at it really quick. In verse 18, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? Well, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Then he heard when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, more money, more problems. And we know this because wealth, while it might feel nice and comfortable, can be a huge obstacle. And Jesus knew it. He challenged it. He didn't make exceptions for people because they had a lot of money. I am looking around at a room, myself included, we, we are in the top 1% of the world of income earners. We are wealthy. What did Jesus say about it? It's hard to enter the kingdom. Wealth was not something that was amazing. It was an obstacle. Now, Zacchaeus gives us hope, right? The story of Zacchaeus gives us a lot of hope because he shows us something that he did with his wealth. But wealth can be an obstacle And then the last obstacle, like I've already mentioned, he was short. And that was something he couldn't control. And sometimes we have obstacles that are in our lives that, you know, it's just something that we just we can't control. And we can either allow it to be an obstacle or we can choose not to allow it to be an obstacle. Zacchaeus chose not to allow his shortness to be an obstacle. And he did something about it. You know, when I read this quote, and it was so powerful, it said, you can, determine, you can determine the size of a person by the size of the problem that keeps them down. You can term, determine the size of a person by the size of the problem that keeps them down. Whether it's something you can control or something you can't. Whether it's your wealth, your job, you feeling like it's too late, my life situation. We are presented with obstacles All the time. I think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in Acts, he wanted to go preach the word. And and the Bible tells us that Jesus came to him in a vision and said it, it stopped him from preaching in a certain area in Asia. You know, he wanted to go preach the word. That's a pretty good thing, right? I want to preach the word. And Jesus sent a vision to him to stop him from preaching the word. And it wasn't to stop him from preaching the word at all, it was to stop him from going that way because he had another plan for him. And that's what how God works sometimes. Sometimes God puts an obstacle in our path because he needs to redirect us. Sometimes 
Paul later on is telling about this messenger of Satan. He's talking about, I had this messenger of Satan sent to torment me. The Bible does not tell us what it was. He just says it was a struggle. And I prayed and I pleaded three times, God, take this thing away from me. And God said, I'm not going to take it away. Actually, this is going to teach you to trust me. This is going to teach you to have faith in me. See, even God can use the obstacle that Satan puts in your way to trust him. There is something on the other side of the obstacle. Doesn't matter who put the obstacle there. There is something on the other side of it. I love Zacchaeus because what did he do? He got a new perspective. He got over it. He went above his obstacle. And he wanted to see something different. I love in Revelation chapter 4 when John, who had all these visions, and he had this vision of heaven. And he says, then I looked up. And he got, he got a vision of the throne room of God. You know, sometimes we got to look up. Sometimes to overcome our obstacle, we got to look down. We got we to get on our knees and pray. So those were four obstacles that I see. But there's a fifth obstacle in here. And I want to talk about this one for a minute. Because this is the big obstacle that we face. We'll see it. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him uh, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. First of all, like, I love Jesus' style. I'm going to start doing that to some of you. Hey, I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to start doing that one right there. I love it. You know, Jesus loved to receive hospitality, but he also was like, hey, I'm coming to your house and you're going to, you're going to be, we're going to, we're going to have a talk. We're going to have dinner together. I love his style. But look at this. It's all the people. That's highlighted in it a different color for you guys and underlined, okay? Because there's something about this that I want you to pick up on. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. When I read the Bible, I'm amazed at the amount of detail that's put in there by the authors. These guys, Luke, in this instance, who in Luke chapter 1, he says, I carefully researched everything. I asked people. I interviewed people. I, I checked, you know, I checked and double checked because I wanted to give an orderly account. And you can just imagine him interviewing people about what it was like before Jesus went to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And they're like, yeah, and we, we passed through Jericho. Jericho's not even on the way to Jerusalem. It's out of the way. But we went there. And as we're leaving, Jesus is, is walking through. He, he's leading the way and he stops at this tree. And there's like this short dude standing up there looking down at Jesus with big eyes because, he, you know, I don't know what it was, but he was dressed kind of nice. And so I found out later that he was a chief tax collector, so I didn't really like him. But you ought to have seen the crowd. They really didn't like him. I mean, they muttered. It must have been a lot of muttering for him to remember that. People can be one of the biggest obstacles we face. But let me tell you something about when people are the obstacle. When they are the obstacle, they are also the opportunity. Because when somebody is the obstacle, God is giving you a chance 
to demonstrate his grace for that person. What did Zacchaeus do? He complained. I mean, he heard the muttering. You know he did because Luke wrote about it. Jesus heard the muttering. What did Zacchaeus do? Oh, all these people, they don't like me. See, I knew it. They didn't like me. They weren't going to like me. I, you know, I'm trying to get right. I'm trying to make changes. You know, I can just tell that, they, you know, they're muttering. Listen to them. No, Zacchaeus comes down. And in one of the most amazing displays of giving, he says, look, Lord, they didn't even make it to the dinner party. I'm going to give half of what I have. His wealth was not an obstacle. His career was not an obstacle. It was not too late for him. The people were not an obstacle. His height was not going to be an obstacle to him because he got over it. He rose above it. He made the decision to not let people be the obstacle. Instead, he made the decision to let the people be the opportunity. And he made a difference. The Bible does not say the word that he had faith. It does not say that he had repentance. It just shows it. So when people are the obstacle in your life, and they are going to be, right? You're probably going to have somebody be the obstacle on your way home today. That's just how it is, right? We love each other, but we also get on each other's nerves. Look at it as an opportunity. An opportunity to make a difference. An opportunity to be like Christ for that person. I wanted to share in closing about one person that has really taught me to overcome obstacles. It's my Uncle Norris. I practiced this because I knew I was going to get... My Uncle Norris, he passed away October 14th, 2017, 2007, excuse me, 2007, a year before I got baptized. He was 46 years old. He was born with a severe case of cerebral palsy. And if you don't know what that is, it's a, uh, you know, he had a, it's, it's a brain damage. It's a form of brain damage, which really affects your motor controls. And in his case, he was not brain damaged intellectually or you know emotionally he could he could he could read he could write he was highly intelligent but he could not move he could move his head and he could move his right hand and you can see it in the picture the hand that's up he had one finger that he could move anytime i've ever felt sore or tired or injured think about my uncle a big accomplishment for my uncle was when he was 13 years old, he picked up a cup and he brought it to his face. You kind of think about that stuff. You're like, wow, like, what obstacles do I really have to complain about? We all get to walk out of here today. We all can talk. Growing up around my uncle... It taught me, taught me a lot of things. As one of the uh, oldest grandkids, 
we were all tasked with learning how to pull our uncle up. He was about 120 pounds. He was confined to a wheelchair for his entire life, but, but he would slide down. And I, you know, one of his and I's favorite things to do is we'd go to movies together. And, you know, so I'd go sit in the front row with him. And, uh, and he was really startled easily. So he'd be sitting there and he'd have his blanket and, uh, we'd be hanging out. I'd, I'd feed him some candy. And then, you know, the movie scene was, something would happen and then he'd scare and then start sinking down his chair. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me get up and pulling a 120 pound man up into a wheelchair that you have to like lean back. It's a, it's a special maneuver that you kind of have to learn to do. And, um, you kind of have to learn how to handle him and, and work with him. But to be, be honest with you guys, it was funny because I was asking my grandmother, his mom, stories about it. I was like, tell me, tell me a couple of stories about Nars. She said, well, when, uh, when he was born, you know, like he, he was like all babies. He didn't move. He kind of scooted a little bit, but there was not much movement. And then when, when we went to get it tested, he was about a year and a half, and I was already pregnant with your next uncle, Uncle Chris. And, uh, you know, they, they came back and they said, well, hey, he has cerebral palsy. There's no way we can treat this. Uh, our suggestion, just put him in a home and ignore him because this is not going to, this is going to lower your standard of life. He's going to have no standard of life. It's going to affect your family. And my grandmother said, no, we're going to love him. They had four kids after that. But from day one, there was obstacles. As my uncle Norris got older and bigger, you know, he learned how to how to act around people. When people would see him, you know, you kind of get the faces. You get the double takes. People are like, I'm not sure. they're not sure what to do with somebody that looks like that all the time. And uh, my mom, her siblings, my grandparents, they said, be the bigger person, smile and wave. Just be that example. Don't let it affect you when somebody looks at you and they're disgusted because it would happen. When my uncle, uh, as he got older, he started learning some new tricks. He learned, uh, he, well, you know, he obviously he went to school. He graduated high school. Um, having conversations with him and talking to him took a long time because he would have to point and it just took him a long time to point. And sometimes he was so shaky, you couldn't, you're like, like, are you spelling it right, Uncle Norris? Like, are you not? What's going on here? Like, he, he, but having a conversation with him just took patience. He learned to play the piano. But it was only one key at a time. He accomplished quite a few things, especially, uh, you know, like, he got, listen, I'll tell you a couple things. Like, he rode in a NASCAR twice. I've never done that. Um, he, he loved roller coasters. He created, he got an extensive rock collection from rocks from all over the world. And I think if I, I my, my mom says she, she thinks that he had a rock from every country in the world. Because what he did was when Internet came out, 
he started emailing missionaries. And he was like, can you send me a rock from wherever you're going? And they would send him rocks. So what's funny is he never used his handicap as an excuse. He never really told him why. He just said, can you do this? He wouldn't tell him who he was. He, used, he didn't try to guilt anybody into it. But when the Internet came out, he just sit on the computer and email people. I mean, one of my ex-girlfriends got an email from him one day saying that if Aaron treats you bad, I'm available. I was like, thank you, Uncle Norris. <laughs> um, so he did a lot of cool stuff. He was Elvis's biggest fan. He loved Elvis Presley. Any Elvis Presley fans in here? A couple. There was one. Okay, Diamond. There you go. Yep. And so he had like a few scarves that Elvis gave him. You know, Elvis would sing and he had scarves all over his, uh, on, on his mic stands and stuff. But one of my favorite moments about my uncle was he learned to play his dad's favorite song, which was Amazing Grace. And he wanted to play it for church one day. And it was an evening service that he was going to play it for the church. And because he was so nervous, he, he had been given a little keyboard, and because he was so nervous, he would play it, and he, he'd get, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved us. <laughs> and he'd be playing it on the piano and keep on messing up at that saved a wretch. And it would just stop there. And he'd get frustrated and frazzled and start over. And he started over six times. And, and my, and the church that he went to, just keep you, keep, just give you guys an idea. They didn't laugh like you guys are. They didn't hoot and holler. They didn't raise their hands. Whitney Houston could perform at this church and people would be like, My Uncle Nars never finished the song. He just made it to the wretch. And he got a standing ovation in that church. I don't know what obstacles you're facing. You choose how you deal with them. What's on the other side of the obstacle? What opportunity is on the other side of the obstacle? All salvations come to this house. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Every time I hear amazing grace, I stop at the place that my uncle stopped. Because I was like, that's really all I need. Amazing grace. How sweet that sounds. That saved a wretch like me. That's all Zacchaeus needed. That's all my uncle needed. That's all we need. Whatever obstacle you're facing today, I can tell you the opportunity on the other side is Jesus. You either get to be closer to him or you get to be him for somebody else. Brothers and sisters, men and women, like, what obstacles are stopping you? Let's make no excuses. Some of us, 
We need to get over it. Others, we need to get a new perspective. We need to get on our knees. We need to look up. Don't let the obstacles that you're facing stop you from seeing Jesus in your life or from being Jesus for somebody else's. Let's be men and women who follow Christ, who imitate Zacchaeus' example of doing everything possible to see Jesus. Amen? Let's stand and close in one final song.